Welcome back for week number four, the last week of this series we're calling Bad Blood. The quality of our lives is related to the quality of our relationships. Uh, peace with God, peace with self, peace with others. That's what makes for a good life. But all of us have some relationships that are characterized by bad blood. Might be a parent-child relationship, might be a brother-sister relationship, a friend, a neighbor, a spouse, or a former spouse. Uh, you know, all of us have that relationship or multiple relationships in our lives. Now, the first principle that we talked about this month was this one, to some extent, my peace depends on me to some extent. And that was, uh, you know, I'm responsible for my peace. That was based on the passage of scripture that we've looked at every day for the last month, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, which says this, if it is possible, which indicates it may or may not be, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all people, all mankind, all human beings, live peaceably with everybody. Peace may not be possible, but my responsibility is to pursue peace, to be a peacemaker, not just to let it come to me when it comes, but to pursue peace, to go after peace, to take that long walk of empathy that we talked about where I, I try to see things and feel things from the other person's point of view. Now, there are a couple of principles that we, we talked about along the way. One of them was this, when I have been wronged, I must take the first step and forgive. When somebody wrongs me, I don't care. Uh, I, I just always take the first step. And that is, I forgive that individual who has wronged me. The uh, second principle is this, when I have wronged someone, I still take the first step and I go and, and, and confess that to them and repent of that. Here's what I find in most bad blood situa situations is that both parties have to do both. You know? there, there has to be repenting and forgiving going on from both sides of the relationship. And I'm not going to sing a song or anything of that nature, but it takes two uh, to work things out, right? One can't work out. It takes two, both sides. So one of the main points of this series has been that when you've done all that you can do, you've taken every step that you can take to, to heal a relationship, you can do this. You can have peace about each relationship, even without peace in that relationship. There are some relationships, uh, that you, that there will never be peace in that relationship because one side or the other just refuses to allow there to be any peace. But, but you can have peace about that relationship when you've done everything before God that you can do. You may have to say, uh, I, I've done all I can do and I can never do business with this individual again. Or I've done all I can do in this relationship with this individual, whether it's a family member or a friend or a neighbor or whatever, uh, it, 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 it may never be what it used to be. It never, may never be what it should be, but I have done everything that I can do. I have peace about that relationship. Now, today, we're going to close with a couple questions. The first one is this, this question, how long? How long? And specifically, how long does it depend on me? You know, how, how long do I just keep doing this? How long do I continue to be, put myself in a position where I'm being abused by this other person? How long do I put myself in this vulnerable position of trying to reconcile? How long do I do that? And, and the second related question is, is this question, when? When? When 
does my continued extension of my assistance, when I keep putting myself out there and putting myself out there, when does that become irresponsible on my part? Uh, when does it become a waste of my time? When does it become a bad idea to continue to allow myself to be stepped on in this relationship? At what point does it become delusional for me to think that there will be reconciliation if we just keep doing the same kinds of things? That other person continues to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. That other person continues to be hurtful and hurtful and say all kinds of things they should not say, do all, all kinds of things they should not do. That other person continues to be irresponsible every day, failing to take any uh, uh, responsibility at all for the situation. So when, uh, when uh, does it become uh, uh, irresponsible on my part? Now, before we put the next thing up, the answer to the when is no cheering when I do this, okay? Because we don't cheer over stuff that hurts, but here's when it is, when you're dealing with a fool. Okay, when you're dealing with a fool, that's when the other person is continually abusive, when the other person is habitual liar, says things and says things and says things and never ever keeps a promise, never takes responsibility for his own part in the situation, continually blames other people for his actions. When the, the relationship is toxic, it is poisoning you and it's hurting the relationships that you have with people around you. When the person with whom you are dealing keeps doing the same stupid, harmful things over and over and over again and expects everything to, around him to change and everybody else to change, but he's not going to change in any way, you may be dealing with a fool in that, uh, that uh, instance. Now, so, well, it's not nice to call anybody a fool. Well, We'll just let the Bible call. That's, you know, I'm not calling anybody a fool. Here's one definition, one biblical definition of a fool. Now, you probably, if I said, what's a fool? You might think of the scripture that says, a fool is said in his heart, there is no God, right? So you might think of that. And, and other passages of scripture about fools uh, uh, say different things like a fool thinks he's always right. A fool never takes advice from other people. But in Proverbs 26 and verse 11, Here's how a fool is described. As a dog returns to his own vomit, that's a delicious thought, so a fool repeats his folly. Now, dogs do eat stuff that they regurgitated, you know. Now, there's reason they do that, by the way. There's a biological reason that they do that. For, but from our perspective, we think, oh, so a dog eats something, and he's like, oh, can't stand that. And then after he gets it out, he says, hmm, Maybe that wasn't so bad after all. I think I'll do that again. You know, isn't that the way we look? That's why I don't let dogs lick me in the face, by the way, all right? Hands fine, but no, no face licking uh, by, by dogs. Not since I grew up and understand what dogs do with that tongue uh, of theirs. So, uh, uh, you know, but I, now I'm saying there is a biological reason that dogs, re, you know, regurgitate and then eat it, regurgitate uh, and then, then eat it. But the, the, what, what the proverb is saying here is, you know what it seems like to you when you're looking at that? How stupid is that? Whoa, this made me sick. So I think I'm going to do that again. That was so much fun getting sick. Uh, that's what a fool does. A fool messes up, creates all kinds of harm, does the stupidest thing, hurts people, and he says, hmm, I think I'll do that again. 
I think I'll, I think I'll do that thing, same thing that caused all kind of pain and all kind of trouble. I think that uh, I'll do that again. And when you're dealing with a fool, you have to draw a line at some point and say, enough, enough. I will not do that anymore. Doesn't mean you say it in an abusive way, not calling them a bunch of names, you know, or even calling them a fool. I don't think that would be the right thing to do, but it means you're saying to yourself, look, you're continually hurting me and you're continually hurting everyone around you, around me. I forgive you. I really do. I've forgiven you from the very start, but I won't allow this to happen anymore. It, I, I can't let this happen anymore. Uh, if you're drawing a line, I said with a business associate, you might just say, we're not going to do business together anymore. If it's a friend or a family member or whatever, it, you may be drawing a line dealing with Christmas or Thanksgiving. You know, Todd mentioned we, we got the holidays coming up. Holidays are great times uh, for family problems uh, because this one brings families together. But the line's going to be different in different situations. But you get to that point and you may even say, I love you from the depths of my soul. I love you. And I want so badly for this to work out, but it isn't going to. So I draw the line. I've talked to you before about my, my sister, Debbie, who passed away lung cancer in 2010. My sister had two sons. Uh, the older one turned out pretty well. You know, uh, he's in the Air Force, stationed in Dayton, Ohio, uh, married, got a child at least. Uh, my sister had to move in with him, you know, near the end of her life and he helped take care of her. And then his dad was, you know, my sister and her husband were living there. Dad was still around and he, he took care of his dad until his father passed away. And so, you know, the older son, Thomas, he's you know, done a pretty good job in his life. Now the younger son has not done nearly as well. Uh, he got addicted to certain substances and so he had that addiction and all the issues, all the accompanying issues that come with it that individuals and families have to deal with. And I don't even know all the details of it, but all I know is that, that, that there came a point when my sister had to say to her baby boy, whom she loved as much as she loved anybody on this planet, she had to say to him, you can't come in my house anymore. You're doing too much damage. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. You can't come into my house anymore. And then when she had to move into her older son's house, there were children in that house. And they had to say, you cannot come into our house uh, anymore. And when, by the way, just a side note, when my sister passed away, we couldn't even find her son to, to notify him of what had happened. But, but here's the thought. This is that fools continually behave in ways that hurt themselves and hurt others. That's, that's, the way you, that's, that's you know, as a dog returned to his vomit, right? He says, well, maybe that wasn't so bad after all. That's what a fool does. They may be habitual liars, seem incapable of telling the truth about anything. They may always, maybe all about money and you know, always want to borrow money or get something from you. They may say, continually say hurtful things to you or about you. They may always be trying to manipulate you and control you and work you in the situation. They may continually be trying to take advantage of your goodness and your desire for reconciliation. 
But when a fool is continually putting you and those around you in harm's way, it's time to draw a line. It's try, time to create a boundary. Now, the, we're going to take a We've been looking at a truth each week. The truth we're going to look at today is the answer to these questions. First one is this. What depends on me? You know, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all people. So what depends on me? And the second question is this. What depends on others? You know, it isn't all about me. So what depends on me and what depends on others? And uh, first couple of weeks, we looked at some statements made by the Apostle Paul uh, in Scripture. And then last week, we looked at two statements made by Jesus. Today, we're going to look back at something the Apostle Paul said. Uh, it's, uh, he, he was uh, writing an inspired letter uh, directed by God to the churches in a, a province called the Roman province of Galatia. So in the New Testament, this book is called Galatians. Now, last week, the last thing that I read was Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, which says this, brethren, that's brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ, if a man, if a person is overtaken in any trespass, he breaks God's law in any way, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of humility, gentleness, kindness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Now, today's truth about what depends on me and what depends on the other person follows as the apostle begins to talk more about uh, those we're trying to help. So we're going to look at verses 2 through 5. Galatians 6, 2 says this, bear, that is carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The word burdens there, the word translated burdens speaks of uh, an overload. It speaks of something that is so heavy that it is crushing you down. It speaks of something that you cannot, an unusual burden that you cannot carry on your own. Now, while the context refers to a heavy spiritual burden or a great weight of temptation, I think the principle applies to all kinds of burdens, hardships and afflictions. You know, it, it might be the loss of a job or a, a terrible health situation or something of that about uh, that nature, but, but sometimes we just get so overburdened, we have to call on somebody to help us. You know, from the time Gene and I were married, I was kind of the, the guy that everybody, you know, uh, I helped everybody else, tried to make everybody else strong. Uh, always wanted to be there for everybody. And don't mean to drudge up something bad, but I had minor surgery in 2014. The surgery wasn't too bad, but man, I had trouble with that medication, you know, that pain medication. I was seeing stuff and I was feeling ways that I had never felt before. I had to call my son up and say, hey, I can't take this on my own. Would you just come over and sit with me for a while? I was on a Sunday night. Would you just come over and sit with me? Because I can't do this by myself. I need some help with this load that, you know, this chemical load that's more than I can bear. And, and, and that's what we're talking, those kinds of situations. Sometimes we just need some help in, a, in a, 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 an extraordinary kind of a circumstance. The law of Christ, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ, you know, we, we, around here we talk about how love is the law. And, and, and uh, Jesus once said the number one law is this, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the second is like, like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've talked about how you can't love God without loving 
uh, your neighbor. So that's the law of Christ. If you want to fulfill the law of Christ, when you see a person being, you know, just going down to the ground because he can't quite hold up, get over there and put a shoulder under that with him and help lift it up. So that's verse two. Verse three says this. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. He's fooling. And you think you're, you're hot stuff. Uh, you're just fooling yourself. This is not going to be on the screen, but the New Living Translation says this. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. You know, I don't want to put anybody down, but you're not that big. You're not that important. You're not that terrific. Uh, if you want to become a burden bearer, if you want to do what the apostle says in verse two about carrying each other's burdens, if you want to become a burden bearer, you have to get over this idea of conceit, over this attitude that says, I'm better than most people. I would never do that. You can't help somebody if you have that attitude toward them. I would never get into that situation. I'm better than that. You know, I'm just too good for that. No, you got to get over that. You're not that good. You're not that good. Uh, you've made all kinds of mistakes in your life. You've been all kinds of places in your life that you should not have been. Have you ever caught yourself thinking you were something and then realized you really aren't? <laughs> you know, whoops. Uh, that, that's where we need to be. My world revolves around me. Your world revolves around you. Sometimes we're, you know, sometimes we're like kids and we think, well, everybody's looking at me. You know, everybody cares about me. Whoops, I got a hair out of place. Everybody in the world knows about it. You know, we just walk around. Nobody cares. They didn't even know you were there. You know, you're just not that big, not that hot stuff. God cares. He's the one that counts the number of hairs on your head. He's the one that's involved uh, in your life. And Paul was saying, get over it. Just get over it. Be Help other people out. Don't be looking down your nose at, at anybody. If, a, if you see somebody and they are about to go under for the third time, reach over and hold them up and help them out. That's what those first two verses are about. Then we get to uh, verse 4. And the next two verses, the apostle talks about personal responsibility here. Verse 4, he says, but let each one, every person, that person over there and me, let each one examine his own work, his own life, the thing, examine the things that he's doing in his life, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Now, my temptation is to look at you very carefully and point, pick out all the bad stuff about your life. It makes me feel better, you know, because I don't have all that bad stuff in my life. But Paul said, instead of, you know, getting the telescope on me or a microscope on me, pick up a mirror and take a good look in the mirror and carefully examine your own actions. If you are doing what God's called you to do, you can rejoice in that. You can take satisfaction in that. You know, there's nothing quite as satisfying as knowing you had a job and you did it and you did it well. It doesn't have to be a, 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 an important job. You just had something that you were supposed to do and, and, and you went and you did that. And, and, and the Bible says, whatever your hands find to do, whatever is put there for you to do, you just do the best job that you can do with it. You don't have to compare yourself with somebody else. You never get anywhere by comparing yourself to other people. So he's saying, look, first of all, he says, you see a person going down for the third time, you help them and don't think you're too good uh, for that. And so instead of comparing yourself to people, take a good look at yourself. And you do the work that God has put in front of you. Don't think it's stupid or too small for you or anything like that. You do what God has called you to do. 
And then in verse 5, he says something that seems to contradict. You know, verse 2, he said, bear one another's burdens. And then in verse 5, he says, for each one shall bear his own load. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens. Verse 5, each one should bear his own load. Now, that's because they're different words, you know. Burden is something that's crushing you down. You just, you cannot hold it much longer. Load comes from a Greek word. I don't say a lot of Greek words, but it's uh, portion. And it, for where you got our word portion, you know, you have your portion. You got your stuff. You got your duties that God has given you. Now, when you get, when, when, when you have unusual circumstances, we, we go shoulder to shoulder. We, you know, we're side by side. We're lifting up that heavy burden that's about to put us under. But I got stuff that I just need to be able to do on my own without having to cry about it all the time. You have stuff you need to do on your own. My, my portion, my load cons- consists of the responsibilities God has entrusted with me that you really can't help me with, like my attitude, my behavior, my feelings. You know, that's me. Uh, I can't blame you for any of that. It, yeah, that's all on me. Uh, except in extreme situations, by the way, it would include things like my mortgage and my electric bill and my groceries and my job. These are things that are my responsibility. You know, as a, an adult person, I have responsibilities and I do those responsibilities. I shouldn't ask you to carry my portion and you shouldn't ask me to carry your portion. When we get overloaded, when we're in an unusual circumstance and we're about to go down, we reach over and snatch each other up. But there needs to be a boundary between what is mine to carry, what is mine, and boy, it scares me sometimes. You know, I'm, it, I don't know if I can do this or not, but it's my portion. Uh, and, and then something that's popped up in my life, and I can't do this by myself. I need some help with this. That's when we step in. Now, here's the principle. We're responsible to help carry each other's burdens. We're, we're that. When, when, when you get overloaded, uh, I can't say I'm too busy for that. I'm responsible for helping you. And we're responsible for carrying our own load, our own portion. When it's too heavy to bear, not just when I think it's too heavy to bear, because sometimes I think everything's too heavy to bear. You know, so there have, but that's the reason I'm saying there's a line uh, that has to be drawn there. Now, If you have a relationship that's characterized by bad blood, and we all do somewhere along the line, and you're trying to do all you can do to reconcile that relationship, but it seems like the more you give, the more they take, you have to decide, maybe with some counsel, you know, maybe you talk to somebody about about this, maybe you just don't do it on your own, but you decide with some counsel, what is the burden And what is the normal load or portion that that person over there should carry? Only fools ask you to carry their burden and their portion. You know, only only a fool does that. Fools will try to make you feel guilty about not helping them out with their portion, with what they're supposed to be doing on their own. So you, 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 you decide, then you draw a line, you set a boundary, and you don't allow yourself to be coerced into carrying someone else's normal load, the thing that that person should be doing. That doesn't make things better. That only makes things worse. Now, think about this for a minute, if you will. When we feel responsible for carrying one another's load, portion, 
Uh, you, you ever feel that way for your kids? By the way, you know, that, that'd be the obvious thing. We just don't want to see them hurt. We don't want to see them in trouble. We want to get them out of everything, right? When we feel responsible for carrying one another's portion, we rob others of experiencing the outcomes of their decisions. I'm not saying don't take care of their kids, of course, but I'm just saying there's an obvious uh, example. When you carry your own load, you know what? It feels pretty good. You, may, you didn't know if you could make it or not, but you come out the other side. And you did it. You were a woman. You were a man. You did it. Feels pretty doggone good to do that. That's what it takes to grow up. That's what it takes to serve God. That's what it takes to be responsible. Like when you first moved out of your parents' house, you know, and you had to pay the rent. And if you didn't pay the electric bill, it was, hey, man, I flipped this switch and nothing came on here. And the electric company said, well, evidently you didn't want your electricity because you didn't pay your bill, right? Or like when you got married and you bought a house and you had a child and now you're the man and you're the woman and there's responsibility that's involved in that. It's hard, but it's good. It's good. It's the best thing on the planet to take that responsibility. You learn to deal with the results of your decisions. Some of those are tough, but some of them are really great. And you can't have the good without the bad. Sometimes in relationships that are characterized by bad blood, it's really important to draw a line between what depends on me and what depends on you. What am I responsible for and what are you responsible for? That's true in most relationships, by the way, but <clears throat> that identifies what I have to do. You know, I, I'm going to do my part and I expect you to do your part. Problems arise when people act as if they're burdens. They're, you know, some people are so burdened down, they're about to go under for the fourth time, but they will not acknowledge that they need any help. That's not good. Other people, uh, they, they just want to hand off every little thing in their life. Here, you take care of it. You take care of it. You take care of it. That's not good either. Both of those things cause problems. It leads to perpetual pain or to irresponsibility. So let's help. Help the other person when they cannot make it under their load. But if we do everything for that other person, if we pay them out of jams continually, if we let them do and say whatever they want to do to us and whatever they want to say to us, we will be responsible and miserable and they will be irresponsible and happy and ultimately we're all going to be unhappy uh, if we do things that way. We're not helping people by carrying their normal load. Paul said uh, each person is to carry his own portion. Now, he said Help each other in burdens, but each person is to carry their own <clears throat> uh, portion. Now, we feel bad about that sometimes, you know, especially if we love people. We feel bad about that. But think about this, if you will. Unconditional love <clears throat> does not mean unlimited assistance. Sometimes, you know, when you're raising your children, uh, at each stage of life, you let them do something, you know, might hurt a little bit. Not too much. <laughs> Not to get hurt really bad, but you do because they, they hurt a little bit. Take a little responsibility. Grow up. Because ultimately, <clears throat> what you want uh, is for that child to be off on his or her own and be uh, an adult. Most of us, by the way, don't have unlimited resources, so we can't uh, give unlimited assistance. I think it's tougher. Personally, I think it's tougher on people that have more unlimited resources. Uh, when do you stop? It can be difficult but one of the best words 
in setting boundaries and drawing lines is this word. You know what it is. It's the word no. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't do that. I have a lot of trouble saying no. A lot of trouble, you know, because I just want to help everybody. So I have a lot of trouble uh, saying no. But, but saying no doesn't mean that you've given up on a person. Doesn't mean that you're throwing the person out. It may mean you value the relationship even more. So draw a line, set a boundary, set, and by the way, set a time limit and say, okay, I said that not doing business in this situation, or I, I, I will not be where that person is, or, or whatever the boundary might happen to be. Uh, and I'm going to give it one month, three months, six months, one year, or whatever. And, and we've talked about it, and you're going to help me. We're going to revisit that. We're going to talk about that together in three months or six months. And, and you're going to say to me, all right, well, do you think it's time or you think you should continue doing the same thing? Be accountable to someone. That's an important part of it. Now, here's the goal. We're going to go back to the first verse, and this will be the last verse we're going to read, Romans 12, 18. If it's possible, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, now, that's, a, that's a weight of responsibility. Does this re- depend on me or not? If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. Now, it is not possible with everybody, but you just can't. Well, not, not her. I can't, uh, can't do that. Not her. Yeah, but uh, her. Yeah, okay, I can, I can do that. No, it, you, it, that's a, a tremendous weight of responsibility. In order to have peace, you have to pursue peace. Think about this. You will never passively find what you're not actively pursuing. You're not just going to sit in your easy chair and peace just kind of rolls over you. You pursue peace. And uh, uh, one more thing, one last thing on the board here is this. You can have peace about each relationship, even without peace in every relationship. And that, that's been the goal of the whole thing we've been talking about for four weeks. Now we're ending with right now. Do it, do it because God commands it. Do it because it's more for your good than it is for the other person. It, you know, it's better for you to pursue this. What, no matter what they do, it doesn't make any difference. It's good for you. And do it because it's what God has already done for you. You know, that was already, you, when, the, when God planned redemption, you weren't even born, but he knew that you would be. And, and, and when Jesus died on the cross, hey, that's, 2,000 years ago, you weren't born. Human beings hadn't even thought about you yet. But God had. He came and became like you and died on the cross. Uh, he came to see things from your point of view. He, he came with his grace and with his mercy. He forgave you of all your sins when you were not forgivable. But he forgave you uh, anyway. And, and I tell you something else that God's really good at. He's really good at setting boundaries and saying, this is your job. This is your responsibility. So because God did that for us, I can never forgive enough. I can never help enough. I can never do enough uh, uh, to come close to what God did for me. Uh, but what I can do is forgive and I can repent and I can draw boundaries and say, you know, by the grace of God, I know that this is where God wants me to draw this line. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Do you know you're going to go to heaven when you die? You know, that's what God did for you. Is there a relationship uh, where there's conflict going on and, and you need to draw a boundary, draw a line? 
pray about that. Get some help with that if you need to. And then by the grace and the strength and the courage of God, draw the line. Let's pray. Father, I know you're here with us and I thank you for that. <clears throat> I thank you for your love and your mercy, for your grace. I thank you for the gift of eternal life and for the fact that uh, there's nothing I can do, but I can call on you and you've done it all and you will save me eternally and I will be a part of your family. If there's a person here who is wondering and thinking about them, that give them the grace to trust you. And if we look in our lives and we see some relationships where we need, still need to forgive or still need to repent or still need to draw a line, Give us the grace and the wisdom to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.